Good evening. Welcome to our Bible class time for tonight. We invite you back into the book of Ecclesiastes tonight in chapter 12. Chapter 12. We are soon to conclude our study in this Old Testament book. This evening, the first part of chapter 12. Sunday, of course, will be the meeting. Next Wednesday night, the final part of Ecclesiastes 12 and we will plug into that a general review of the book. And then on February 4, we will begin a study of the New Testament epistle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Colossians will be our next course of study. This evening, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, I can promise that what we will study will apply to every single person in the class. You'll know what that's about as we get into the text in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for thy word to give us exactly the knowledge we need to live with thee through Christ and be ready for leaving this life under the sun. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I'm going to start at verse 1 and read the first eight verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity." I came to this statement in some reading that I was doing not long ago. See what you think about this statement to launch our study. The statement I found was, We are idolaters worshiping the cult of youth. Now, none of us may be guilty. But this observation may be true of many people in our society idolaters who worship the cult of youth. 
Let's start there. Here's the basis of such a statement. No matter what people seem to have, how much they have succeeded in life under the sun, how well they are, and how many friends they have, there seems to be, in many cases in our society, no expense spared to try to hold on to youth or to look and to feel younger than your actual chronological age. I'm talking about, perhaps nobody here, but society in general. Spending money on creams and pills and gems and plastic surgery and younger looking fashion and on and on. It is so hard for people generally to cope with getting old. To imagine that someday they will look like their grandparents looked. For many in society, this is true, they are idolaters who worship the cult of youth. I think in our society, it is true. Generally, people are charmed by youth. Perhaps nobody here, but true of our society. I found this quote that seems to verify what we're talking about in terms of what is societal. According to the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, Surgeons perform more than 10 million cosmetic procedures each year, almost none of them medically necessary. We just want to hold on to youth. We have difficulty coping with old age and the approach of old age. There seems to be a dread that we have to even imagine it. This passage we've read in Ecclesiastes 12 can help us to be honest and realistic about the inevitable approach of age. And it can help us when we talk to our kids and our grandkids and young people that we have influence with. We can help them in Ecclesiastes 12 cope with the inevitable approach of age. I can tell you that without any hesitation that I might be wrong, every single person in this room is getting older. Every single one. I tell you without any hesitation that that is the case. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you want it or you like it or how you imagine it, it's going to happen. Actually, when you leave this building later tonight, you'll be older than you were when you got here. You just can't stop that process. It makes no sense and it works against our best interest to deny it and to imagine that it is some horror that there is no way to handle. The passing of time is another one of the realities of life under the sun. One of Solomon's purposes in Ecclesiastes is to confront us with realities that we may not even want to think about. Now he's going to take us to a statement at the end of Ecclesiastes about how to cope with all of those realities of life under the sun. But at this point, he confronts us again 
with this reality of life under the sun that we may not even want to talk about or think about, but it is real. Look at this phrase. The evil days come and the years draw near. Now, I've mentioned this before. I've mentioned that in Hebrew terminology, the word evil sometimes simply means bad or unpleasant. It sometimes in, in Hebrew literature is a comparative term. Very often the word evil means a choice to sin, but not always. Sometimes if you look at the context, it's about something unpleasant. And that's the connotation here. Solomon is telling us some difficult days are ahead as the years pass. And your reaction may be, and here's another phrase from the text, your reaction may be, as quoted in the last part of verse 1, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon is, is describing the reality of old age and the all too common reaction that Solomon observed among people under the sun and that we observe, that it's no fun. Have you ever heard anyone say, it's no fun getting old? Well, that's a reality of life under the sun. And Solomon is confronting us with that. If you have the New International Version, he says, the days of trouble come. Now, before you get all depressed, and by the way, that's not going to help. Depression about old age will not make you younger. So just forget that. Depression is not going to help. But before you go to a sad place, I'll say it that way, Solomon at the end of the chapter is going to tell us the good news. He's going to tell us what we can do to cope with old age. But at this point, he puts that reality right in our face. He is asking his readers to face the days of trouble. In a new translation that I've been reading lately, and I like it so far, the Christian Standard Bible, it is rendered this way in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of adversity come. You ever been in the doctor's office and said, this is adverse. This, this is my adversity. Before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. I have no pleasure in them. Ecclesiastes 12 is designed to put before us something we may not want to think about or talk about. But if we don't die in our youth, this is going to be it. This is what it's all about. We're going to get old. Questions or comments? I didn't think so. Solomon goes into some detail, beginning in verse 2, and he uses very figurative imagery, illustrations all through the text from verse 2, especially down through about verse 6. And the imagery is all sort of mixed together but it all conveys one basic idea. 
It's the language that describes, and it's the imagery that describes old age. Look at some of this, beginning at verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. This is very similar to what Solomon described in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 as the passing of time. And it's marked by the changing of seasons. Do you ever call somebody a spring chicken referring to their youth? or in East Texas or Arkansas, it was a whippersnapper. A spring chicken. And then you talk about the autumn of life. Well, what we're doing, we're describing the passing of time and the approach of age in terms of the seasons and the changes that come. There will come a time when things are just not as bright compared to the days of youth talking about the horizontal plane under the sun. We associate happiness poetically with a bright and sunny day. And this says other kinds of days are ahead. Verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. Verse 4 continues to add imagery. But let's, let's talk about what we have here before we just move down through the verses. It's all imagery that is mixed up that really just has one point. Age is coming. Perhaps you can be young at heart way into your old age. And maybe you can keep your body in relatively good condition to the best of your ability, but age is coming. There are parts of your body that will send you daily messages that you're not young anymore. And I'll talk more about that later. There are parts of your body that will send you daily messages that you are not young anymore. Look at, look at some of these phrases. Strong men are bent. Did you know that very carefully administered scientific studies show that as you age, you get shorter? You get smaller in stature. As your bone structure undergoes change, I was reading about that one time. And as I was reading that, I read that off to Paula and she said, man, there may come a time when I can't even find you. <laughs> Strong men are bent. And it says the grinders cease. Two different interpretations you will discover in the commentaries. One is that people who were working at the grinding stone, there would be fewer of those. The other is that the grinders, and I'm not going to sign on to either one of these, though both of them describe the passing of time. Some believe this kind of poetic language may pertain to teeth. You don't have the teeth that you had when you were 20. Not exactly. I sure don't. Vision problems. 
Those who look through the windows are dimmed. You ever known of a preacher who has to get up and before he can even look at his notes, he's got to change glasses? Verse 4, the doors on the street are shut and the sound of the grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. Now, I cannot objectively and absolutely assign specific meaning to each phrase. This is Hebrew poetry. The main point, however, is very clear. Time is passing and age is approaching. Verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. See, even if you were to dig into this and assign objective and absolute meaning to every word and phrase, you're still going to come out to the same bottom line. This is about the signs of aging. Very clear. What do grasshoppers usually do? Well, they jump quickly, not this one. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. And then Solomon breaks out of this poetic mode temporarily in verse 5. And he says, man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. You see, if you wanted to put that very simply, you could say, we're going. We're going somewhere. Every day we age, we are closer to that destination. We're closer to death, and we're closer to whatever the destination will be. Are you aware that in some cultures, professional mourners are hired while the person is still alive. Almost the ancient version of what we now call final care or hospice. In those days, mourners were sometimes hired when it was believed that death was near and they would be awaiting outside. Near Eastern cultures were known to do this and to attend a grave and express the emotions and listen to the eulogy. It was actually the case that in ancient cultures of the time, they would hire people to attend funerals and listen to the eulogy and go to the tomb. Sometimes they just waited outside the door while the old person was dying. Solomon seems to allude to some of that imagery, and his point is... This will happen. Now, back to the poetic imagery in verse 6. Before the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the foundation, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Again, I'm going to be hesitant to, to assign specific interpretive meaning to each phrase and word. It would be mostly speculative of me to do so, but the idea is clear. The body is winding down. 
just like utensils and bowls and things fall apart, wear out, the body is winding down, age and approaching death is a reality of this. Uh, here is, if I were to give the Berkeley paraphrase of verses 3 through 6, I would say what some of us have probably said before, everything's falling apart. Now before I continue at verse 7, questions or comments? Charles. That's right. There is a cycle. Uh, in fact, my graphic almost captures that cycle. Doesn't capture the other end of it, but it captures it in, in essence. Verse 7 and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, this statement is one of those in Ecclesiastes that will immediately ring a Genesis bell, right? The statement takes us back to our origin, to the history of our origin given in Genesis that God made man from the dust of the earth. Our physical body returns to the dust. This is an allusion. If you have a good reference Bible, it's probably written there in the column. To Genesis 2 and verse 7. And uh, maybe also it will have Genesis 3 and verse 19. Death is described here as a return of the body to the dust of the ground. But there's another part of this. That is our inner essence... Solomon adds, the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, whoever you are, whatever your age, this is what Solomon says is about where you're headed. <clears throat> Unless you're taken in your youth or the Lord comes. Uh, it was said one time that in creation and in birth... God temporarily unites body and spirit and they're separated in death. That's a biblical concept, isn't it? That in creation originally and in birth, God temporarily, actually in conception, God unites body and spirit, a process undone in death. If God is not in your life now, what is all of this? Well, Solomon says at the end of verse 8, it's vanity. So when Solomon is talking to us about this horizontal plane on earth and these realities about life under the sun, if God is not in your life, then it becomes vanity of vanity. So this is where we're headed. This is our destiny. Now, I want to take us back to the beginning. We've covered... 1 through 8, but I want to go back now and pick up one very significant word. We're talking about old age, and eventually the mourners come to your house. And I mentioned to you that depression is not the way to cope with this. Or bemoaning the fact that all of this in this cycle is going to happen. There is a way to cope with it. And it's captured by a key word in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. 
the key word in Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8 is before. There's something you can do about this. And the best time to do it is before it happens. There's something you can do about all this so that you can cope with this and even have utter joy when the mourners you can see outside your window. And it's captured by this word before. Three strategic places in the paragraph there is this word before. Solomon really is addressing the text to young people. And he says, there is something you can do before you look like your grandpa. Before old age, before the evil days, the days of adversity, according to the Christian Standard Bible. Before the sun goes down, the autumn of life. Before the silver cord is snapped. Before all that. Here's what Solomon says people can do. Remember your Creator. Because the general course of life under the sun is to get old and die, and then your soul is in the hands of God for God to do what He wills, your destiny will be in His hands. As long as you're alive, you can change your course and you can get right with God the best approach is to do this in your youth and live your life with God under the sun. Then it's not vanity, it's joy. Now, there's another word here we need to navigate that is associated with the word before. It's really important to know what Solomon means when he says, remember. This is not simply remembering that there is a God when you're 16. This is not simply remembering that you will face God in judgment, though it's good to remember there is a God and you'll face Him in judgment. And this is not just remembering some of the things that you learned when you were at the church building. This is about an inner awareness of God that you have in your life every day that produces your obedience to Him and reverence for Him. That's what's all wound up in this word, remember. In the Hebrew, the word remember in this verse is a verb. It isn't just something in your head, it is something about how you live. It's something in your life. It involves wholehearted commitment to love and serve and fear God that you started in your youth and that you continue into old age. Old age then becomes a joy. On the horizontal plane, aches and pains, a couple of pair of glasses, false teeth, maybe so. But there is an inner joy that you can take with you into old age if you remember your Creator. While the New Testament teaches that old people can come to Christ and be saved, nobody ever recommends that you wait around to right before you die. 
Do you know anybody? Do you know any Christian who says, just wait around now, and when you get the final word that it's terminal, then rush down and be baptized. Nobody recommends that. No, nobody who has a good sense of who God is and what Christ did, what the Bible says, nobody recommends that. So it's true that old people can come to Christ and be saved. My maternal grandfather was baptized in his 70s and lived faithfully until he died. Now, he was in Christ, but nobody recommends you wait. There's an urgency about it all through the New Testament, and that urgency is reflected by Solomon here. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come. So, having said all of that, I want to read 1 through 7. See if it all comes together. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12, 1-7 The knowledge that you gain from good Bible study as a young person the relationship that you have with good people who are good examples, the intimacy with God and the discipline against temptation that you can cultivate from the Word of God as a teenager, all of that is going to serve you so well when you're in your 70s and 80s and on. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Questions or comments? Takeaways. According to an old fable, a man made an unusual agreement with death. It was a fable. He told the grim reaper that he would willingly accompany him when it came time to die, but only on one condition, that death would send a messenger well in advance to warn him. Weeks turned into months and months into years. And then one bitter winter evening, as the man sat thinking about all his possessions, death suddenly entered the room and tapped him on the shoulder. 
Startled, the man cried out, You're here so soon and without warning. I thought we had an agreement. I thought you were going to send me messengers. Death replied, I've more than kept my part. I've sent you many messengers. Look in the mirror and you'll see one of them. As the man complied, death whispered to him, Notice your hair. Well, I guess I wouldn't be able to do that, would I? Death whispered, Notice your hair. Once it was full and black and now it's thin and white. Look at the way you cock your head to listen to me because you can't hear very well. Observe how close to the mirror you must stand to see yourself clearly. Yes, I've sent many messengers through the years. I'm sorry you're not ready, but the time has come to leave. So my first takeaway is we need to pay attention to the messengers. Pay attention to the messengers. Any questions? Rejoice in the years that you have. Solomon is not trying to depress us. He's giving us reality of life under the sun. He's going to tell us how to cope with it in a full way at the end of chapter 12. But he's already said, remember your creator. That's the way you cope with it. Uh, Riken, one of the commentaries I have on Ecclesiastes. I often remember the words of one old saint who was feeling the effects of his age. When I worried that he might be discouraged, he said, Not at all, because with the Lord, life just gets better and better. For the faithful believer, long life is a blessing from God and it gets better and better the closer you are to that final home. When the preacher in Ecclesiastes tells us that we will have many dark days, he's not being cynical or trying to rob us of all our joy. He is telling us to enjoy life as much as we can for as long as we can and he's telling us how to do it. Remember your Creator. And then he's going to tell us at the end, fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So what we ought to take from Ecclesiastes 12 is not depression. Remember that depression doesn't reverse age. Complaining about age doesn't reverse age. You're not going to reverse it. It's happening. All of us are aging. How do you cope with it? Remember your Creator, fear God, and keep His commandments. I said to you earlier, when you talk to your kids or your grandkids or young people that you have opportunity to influence, I'm looking at the time, but uh, the windows are dim. When you talk to people, you have opportunity to influence who are younger. You can tell them to rejoice. 
the call to rejoice in Ecclesiastes is not just for the elderly, but also for the youngsters. While old people are to praise God for the length of their days and the opportunities God has afforded them and what their destiny is being faithful to God, young people are to praise God for the strength of their youth. Wherever you are in life, there's reason for you to praise God where you are if you're remembering Him and keeping His commandments. So the preacher's call back in 11.9 that we talked about the other day is relevant here. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. Young people have many blessings they can enjoy as they remember their Creator. might be a good idea if you're reading Ecclesiastes 12 to a young person, go back and start in chapter 11 and pick up that statement in verse, uh, what was it? See, the memory fails too. 9, 11, 9 might be a good place to start and then transition them in to chapter 12. Uh, the hearts of God's people, regardless of age, can be full of good cheer and joy and hope, remembering your Creator in the days of your youth and fearing God and keeping His commandments. To die is to go to our eternal home. We will not live here forever. So we need to live in such a way that we'll have that eternal home. Thank you for your good attention to our study. Bubba will have the class on Sunday morning, and next Wednesday night we will complete the study of Ecclesiastes. Thank you.